The following sermon was delivered by Associate Pastor Reverend Werner Ramirez in the sanctuary of Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. We welcome you to worship with us every Sunday in person or on live stream. For details, go to fapc.org. And now, here's Reverend Werner Ramirez. Will you please join me in prayer? Holy Spirit, we begin this season of Lent searching for you. May you inspire hope, love, mercy, and resilience. Pray all this in your name. Amen. Friends, it's no secret that life can be hard and complicated. Yes, there are moments in life that bring us joy, laughter, and hope, and I thank God for those moments that we have. Yet when we capture the news cycle and see what is happening around this world and country, we cannot help but yearn for this troubled world to be renewed. And as, if I, and as I have talked with many of you about what's going on in your lives, I know that life is hard for many of you. There are complicated relationships, hard diagnoses for yourselves or loved ones, and so much more. Our hearts long for something to hold on to. Our hearts long for hope, but in order for our hearts to not break completely, we need a form of resilience, some kind of capacity of toughness that doesn't simply take the heartbreak but helps transform the heartbreak. This type of resilience is slow, but good work. It requires vulnerability, reflection, guidance, and strength from others. In the season of Lent, we will reflect on how the divine can help us be resilient through these trying times. But today on Ash Wednesday, I think resilience starts with repentance and death. Repentance is more than a, an acknowledgement. There are hard steps one needs to take to turn your life around. Now, one of my favorite scenes ever in television comes from the show The Office, when one of the main characters, Michael Scott, he has found himself in severe debt, and he's thinking about declaring bankruptcy, so he goes into the office space, and he yells loud in the workplace, I declare bankruptcy! An accountant says to him, hey, I just want you to know that you can't just say the word bankruptcy and expect anything to happen. And Michael Scott says, I didn't say it. I declared it. <laughs> Repentance is not just a declaration, but an action. Repentance is profound, a profound change of heart and mind, a conscious acknowledgement of wrongdoing and a sincere commitment to turn away from it. It involves a deep sense of remorse and a desire for personal transformation. Repentance is not merely the admission of mistakes, but a genuine intention to rectify and grow beyond them. It's a universal human experience rooted in the recognition of our fallibility and crucial steps towards spiritual and moral renewal. In essence, repentance is the courageous embrace of accountability, leading to a path of healing, redemption, and the possibility of a resilient spirit. For me, repentance is death. 
I may have lost you with, with that last sentence. How can repentance be death? While I was in seminary, I took some classes on a farm. Princeton Theological Seminary has some classes that integrate theological education with small, sustainable agriculture. Naturally, the farm is called the farminary. Farm, seminary, farminary. It's also one of the mission partners of this church. It was there that I was introduced to the compost pile. The compost pile consists of rotting fruits and vegetables, and it's mixed in with the dirt and leaves. It looks and smells like death. The director of the farminary arranged for local markets to deliver the rotten produce. Instead of throwing it away, they would drop it off at the farminary. And in that class, it was often my job to take that produce, put it in the compost pile, and shovel it in and mix it in with the rest of the stuff that was there. It was hard and stinky work. Yet over time, those dead things began to take on new life. You dig deep into the compost pile, you put a shovel in the middle of it, and you see that there's even more stinky moisture in the middle, and it's hot. You see the temperature rise, and then if you look closely, there are worms there. Our teacher told us that the worms are there, and they eat the dead produce, and then release life-giving gases. And then something starts to become alive. And eventually what was once dead becomes new soil. Good soil that will eventually give life to lettuce, beets, flowers, tomatillos, and bok choy. Now, I'm not a big fan of tomatoes, but the cherry tomatoes that I have picked straight from the vine at the farminary has been one of the most life-giving food experiences I've had. To think what was once dead hope that cherry tomato come into existence. Now, it's only Ash Wednesday. I don't want to go straight to Easter, but we know that death does not have the final word. But for today, I want to focus on the time of death. I want to focus on the rotting produce that is thrown into the pile before new life begins. Because perhaps repentance in the light of resilience looks a lot like death. What in your life needs to die so that a spirit of resilience can take over? In the passage that we just sang, Psalm 51, the psalmist who many believe to be King David writes, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. Many believe that this psalm was written after the prophet Nathan called out King David for taking Bathsheba as his own and having her husband, Uriah the Hittite, murdered in war. King David has, has remorse, and he asks for a new heart. He wants to be renewed. He wants to be res resilient. And in the process of doing so, he throws his sins into the compost pile. He lets them die. He won't be magically renewed from one day to the other, but the compost pile will have to do its work first. Here at the church, we're in a season of confirmation for some of our youth group students. And this coming weekend, we will do a retreat with our students. And at this retreat, we will go to the farminary and we will do a lesson on grace and shame. I ask them to think about the ways that shame has made them feel worthless. And we will write those words on a big sheet of paper 
and then we will rip it up together and we will literally throw those papers into the compost pile because we want to let shame die and hope that in the compost pile, it will be transformed into resilience and hope. So I ask again, what do you need to let die? What do you need to repent of? What do you need to throw in the compost pile? One of the most questionable things that I did as a youth pastor years ago was to rent a 15-passenger van from a van rental company that was operated out of a hotel room. <laughs> I was a 23-year-old youth pastor, and no other company would rent vans to me, but the guy who rented vans out of a hotel room would. The first time I went there, I was nervous, and I was like, I don't really think this is a good idea. But I also really needed a van to take kids down to Mexico that day. <laughs> He had a great price, and it worked out just fine. He and I developed this kind of interesting relationship over the next few years. Whenever I needed to rent a van, I literally just would shoot him a text message, and no problem, he would hook it up. One time, he missed our appointment, and I'm like, where are you? I, you're not here. He said, no problem, my friend. Just walk into my office, hotel room, take the keys, and we will work out the paperwork and payment later. He was also very gracious when I backed the van into a tree and made a mess out of the bumper. However, it became clear to me that his van rental business was probably not his primary business. What he really did, I still have no idea. Yet I also had a feeling that he was stoked to have a pastor friend who could vouch for his van rental business rent. But one day I came in to pick up a van and his hands were covering his face down on his desk. And he said to me, Werner, I'm tired of all this. I'm tired of chasing this money. And then he began to weep. It was a moment of vulnerability, a moment of acknowledgement of whatever he was involved in was not producing what he truly wanted. I think about him from time to time and about that moment. There was a recognition that something wasn't right. And I wonder what would happen if he let the pursuit of money die and he threw it in the compost pile. My guess is that it wouldn't be easy. My guess is that repentance from that would require a whole different lifestyle for him and that it would be a painful transition. My guess is that he probably could not do this on his own and that he would need a support system and dare I say, help from the Holy Spirit. Yet I'm confident that the death of the pursuit of money for him would slowly but surely be eaten up by the worms and that the soil of his life would be churned by the Holy Spirit. And I have to wonder and hope of what goodness would come from that. So I ask you again, what do you need to let die? What do you need to repent of? What do you need to throw in the compost pile? Perhaps, perhaps it's an addiction, and putting that in the compost pile begins by attending a support group. Perhaps it's anger in your heart towards a particular person or people group, and it's time to throw that anger and grudge into the compost pile. Perhaps it's a behavior that's harming you or loved ones. Perhaps it's an abusive relationship that you need to leave 
Perhaps it's stubbornness to try to do everything on your own and it's time to let people in. Perhaps you can't forgive yourself for something and it's your shame that you need to let die so that you can begin to forgive yourself. Christ has already forgiven you. What if in the season of Lent, we begin to see what God can do in the compost pile and create something in us that is new and good, a more resilient version of ourselves as beloved children of God? Whatever is holding you back, let that die. Throw them in the compost pile. Mix them up in the dust and the ashes. And God will begin to do work with you and make them new. Amen. Amen. Friends, as you leave today, may you leave with a peace that surpasses all understanding. And in this season of Lent, may you know that you are loved and through the grace of God, you are enough. Amen. Amen. We hope this sermon has been meaningful to you and given you a measure of hope, encouragement, and good news. If you would like to make a donation to support this audio ministry, please visit fapc.org give. Thank you and blessings to you on this day.